Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. Uh, I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, uh, we are back. It is um, getting to be the end of March here, and uh, it's been a a month full of madness. We had a a ton of upsets last week on our best Disney movie playlist bracket. Yeah, it's crazy, but also not surprising because Disney's song catalog is just so strong that you can almost reorder any of these albums and bring in some Miss the Dance uh, albums and, and playlists and you would see the same thing. It can really just be randomized all, all the way to the point that our guest host right at the end of the last show, once we stopped recording, brought up that we didn't even talk about Mulan missing the dance, which has some very memorable and iconic songs. And that guest host is Elizabeth Stobb. Stop, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's very surprising that Mulan didn't make it because of the the longevity that Make a Man Out of You has experienced since it came out, which is also interesting because we have changed our perception on, you know, on women in society as we should and should have that this Make a Man Out of You song, even though it was like ironic, then is even ultra ironic now. And we still we still love it for some reason. It's a bop. It is a bop. We could say. Also, think- we wouldn't we wouldn't allow Donny Osmond to be playing a, an Asian guy in 2022, <laughs> but that's a whole other discussion too. Reflection is also such a great song in that yeah. soundtrack. Yeah, another beautiful one, which we've talked about multiple times on the show, including its Disney Mania and its pop uh, <laughs> uh, version with Christina Aguilera wandering around the grounds of Epcot uh, China Pavilion, which was always a lot of fun. Uh, Stop. Were you surprised with how many upsets that we had last time? Uh, we last time we recorded, there were a lot of actual March Madness upsets in the world of basketball, with teams like Kentucky going down. Uh, do you feel like some of that was reflected in this one, with something like you know Beauty and the Beast not seeing it into the next round? I do. I mean, I think you know, like Hercules getting upset, kind of fits. And you know, I think you could have seen some of these coming. They're just some of these play some of these playlists have such strong songs all the way through where some of them it's just like when you go back and you look at it they just have like a couple really strong songs or ones that but they stick out in your mind really hard and that's maybe what sways you when you know you're taking a look at the bracket but yeah i think it'll be interesting to see how this continues totally all right well let's start uh start chatting it up with our spoonful of sugar chris i know you're still uh kicking it in arizona what you got for your spoonful of sugar? I'm pretty much a permanent resident of Arizona <laughs> now. Uh, I went went up went over to the Safeway um, on Hayden and <laughs> Chapala, I think wow. is what it's called. Um, and I got me a, a Lucy, a one beer, uh, which is a great. You know, I, I wish more places did that. You know, you yeah. can just buy one, just one beer. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. just in case you're like me and you take a sip and you go, don't like it. Now mm-hmm. I got three more of them, at least maybe five more of them. Um, and I just, you know, I, it was funny. I was like in the checkout line and I had, I had two single beers in my hands and like, <laughs> that was it. And like, you can't go to the self checkout cause they need to check your ID. Um, and I just felt really funny. And the, and the guy in front of me is like, well, you only got those two things. He's like, you can go in front of me. He's <laughs> oh, like nice. a classic, classic, like Arizona resident. Uh, but I got me another uniquely Arizona beer, according to the can. It is from Hus Brewing Co. in Tempe, Arizona. It is a mandarin and wheat beer called the Papago Orange Blossom. And it's got some some cool kind of Arizona-y inspired patterns um, on the can. Yeah. Um, orange and white uh, Papago is a park that is in the Scottsdale area and the San Francisco Giants recently built a state-of-the-art minor league complex at Papago. Uh, Haven't been there, but I'm looking forward to checking it out one day. Hopefully, the beer is as state-of-the-art as the minor league (laughs) complex. So let's go ahead and uh, check it out. Um, Have you ever had a Cali Creamin? Either you had a Cali Creamin? Yep. It's like that, but it's more cream than a Cali Creamin. Huh. Um, I don't really know if I like it or not. <laughs> okay. It's like the the beginning taste kind of tastes like throw up, but like the aftertaste oh my tastes gosh. like a creamsicle. Uh, yeah. Um, you might I'm have to say go back my, to the, the Kachina uh, after yeah, that I might one. have to hop into Safeway and grab some more Kachinas. Um, <laughs> Kyle, what do you got? Chris, I also went into Safeway and I also grabbed a Lucy and I also grabbed one that is related to the place that I'm in. So look at us being on the same wavelength. I have an animal tropical IPA from Fort Point in San Francisco. I've definitely had this on the podcast before. But to point out also the design on the can, uh, the light is not going to allow me to do it very well. But there is a Lombard Street the crooked street on the there can it is. in the design. Yeah. So much like you had your very Arizona-esque patterns on yours. I've got my, I got the most crooked street in the world on my can. And I've had this before, tropical IPA, very delicious. Uh, now that spring has arrived, this room that I'm recording in gets very warm because we are facing the where the sun sets and it just makes it so much better to have a tropical IPA in my hand and have this refreshing drink. Stab, what have you got? So my town does their Irish Day Parade the weekend after St. Patrick's Day. Um, <laughs> so we at the bake shop I work at, we made some um, chocolate cupcakes with a local stout. So we had some leftover stout um, from it's a little brewery and mystic called Barleyhead Brewery. Very highly recommend. Um, yeah, so that's what I've got. It's called Obscurus. I don't know where the name comes from. It makes me not want to drink it, but <laughs> it's good. Sounds like a Pokemon. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it does a little bit. Definitely. Um, all right. Drinks are in hand. Let's talk about how we got here. So we surveyed a demographic of folks who visited Toontown and Disneyland on its very final day. We asked them to give us their favorite Disney movie playlists. They gave us 16. We talked about a few that missed the dance. And after the first round of 16, we ended up with an Elite Eight that looks a little bit like this. It's the number one Lion King, which will be facing off against the number eight Encanto. 
Down the brackets, the number 13, Princess and the Frog versus the number five, Frozen. Across the brackets, the number two, Mary Poppins versus the number 10, Aladdin. And rounding out the Elite Eight is the number 14, Pinocchio versus the number 11, Tarzan. All right, let's hop back in. Chris, you started off last time. I guess I'll start off this one with the discussion between number one, Lion King versus number eight, Encanto. So I talked about Encanto last time and how upon re-listening, I've enjoyed songs that maybe I hadn't enjoyed before, like the Family Magic Gal, Waiting on a Miracle, Still Can't Get Through Surface Pressure, as neither can Chris. We just it just doesn't fit into what the soundtrack provides, what this playlist provides. But I think that everything else really does. I know that you you had said that. Some of these should just be dialogue and and you would enjoy it if, you know, they talked about the issues of generational trauma as opposed to, I don't know, sung about them. <laughs> but I think that it really works for what this film does, uh, especially something like We Don't Talk About Bruno, which may seem very surface, but it really gives insight into this kind of uh, group think that not only the family, but the town has been put through and that no one has really questioned about like where Bruno is or like what happened to him because they all have thought that he predicts and you know puts on these bad futures for all the residents of this town including the family and so no one has really questioned it and you kind of wonder like why and the song kind of tells you why you see all the instances that have either ruined life or ruined occasions it's usually just occasions for everybody and the audience gets to see that like maybe there's some overreaction here and maybe there's a little bit more to it and it adds to the sinisterism of grandma (laughs) and what she's been able to do and kind of manipulate and mold this perfect community in her eyes in reality it's suppressing trauma and not talking about it and we get to see it firsthand it's almost like we're the therapist and we don't talk about bruno it's like Hmm. Okay, tell me about your issues. And they tell us about these traumatic experiences. And the rest of the movie, we're like, okay, then just talk about them. <laughs> let's let's dive in further about them. And they do through that dialogue. Um, what else can I do is really that moment in which Mirabelle and Isabella have that, you know, Isabella's telling her pro- her problems about being the perfect one and having to be perfect. And eventually she realizes that she doesn't have to anymore. Um, it's a really gorgeous song, and it's really well done. Dos Orquitas, of course. Uh, we've we've talked about that one. And All of You is really nice, too. All of You kind of makes me mad, though. Because same the same thing with Family Madrigal when I first listened to it. You're like, ah, here we go with Lin-Manuel. All of You is like, ah, here we go with Hamilton. Like, that song is just a Hamilton ensemble number, it, it sounds like. Where you have, and pieces of We Don't Talk About Bruno do that as well, but all of you for sure with the harmonies sung by like the three women of the family. And then you have like a random rap break in the middle of it that references not only another movie, but like a different time altogether. And it just is so like, it's the curse of Hamilton for Lynn. He literally can't write any other piece of music without us being like, oh, we heard that that same riff. We heard that same song in this three and a half hour show that is just songs, you know, like, of course he put everything into that show 
that's a lot of music to write. And so you're going to hear a lot of those kind of references and snippets into other things. And you definitely do throughout Encanto. Not as much as I thought you would, but definitely in Family Madrigal and definitely in all of you. Uh, regardless, I really, really enjoy both of those. Like I said last time, uh, songs performed by kids, not really going to do it for me. I just can't wait to be king is one of those. Hakuna Matana, surprisingly, if we're being as goofy as it is, I think is a great song. It's not only for the movie and the transition from the toxic optimist of, uh, of Simba, and then he comes to realize that he can't be living in this world of optimism, um, but also just like that's the last piece of childhood and, and naivete that he experiences is this like, there are no worries. You can live, you can ha- live in ignorant bliss for the rest of your life if you wanted to, just like Timon and I have in a catchy tune, in a mantra. And I like that. This suffers from what a lot of the other playlists suffer from, which is it ends with, can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> because the rest of the movie is just basically like one big fight scene. I guess you could include... um. Timon's like hula hula rap <laughs> if you really wanted to in this <laughs> and that would be the last song and the reprise of circle of life of course because that's how the film ends um but can you feel the love tonight is the last like full-length song and that song is just so good no matter like what version whether it's this one elton john the new one with beyonce and and childish gambino like they're just so good I was listening to it randomly on my run, not randomly because I was listening to this playlist as I was running and I found myself, I found myself going back to the middle of Can You Feel the Love Tonight where the, um, the key changes and the, the background choir starts singing that entire Can You Feel the Love Tonight chorus, but in this like acapella African chant type way in which everybody sung a different baseline not baseline but a different progression and it all fits so well and if you you can like listen to each layer of that that chord progression and find who's singing what and i found myself trying to keep up with each individual person every time i was just going back 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 and every single time like this is so good it is such a great not only key change but that entire song is really good it it builds on the insecurities that not only Nala, but also Simba have and the intentions for why they, they are doing what they're doing with Nala coming back. Like, why doesn't he believe in himself? And Simba's like, I'm, yo, I'm like real scared right now. I'm real scared. And I don't want to go back because I'm so scared. All wrapped up in this like love song and that love, the love between them reminds them of really what they're here to do and what their purpose in the circle of life is. And I just I just think it's such a good song that we don't always consider in maybe our list of Disney songs because it's not this whimsy and and fun and zany and and whimsical, you know, middle song. It's this love almost ballad, but not written by Elton John that also gets into the radio play. I just think it's so, so good. Uh, when it comes to this matchup, I, I think I'm going to just continue on the one seat here uh, because I service pressure hits you like a pound of bricks in the middle of that. I can I can skip through that. Uh, I can skip through. I just can't wait to be king if I have to listen through it more than surface pressure. Uh, and I enjoy what 
Akuna Matana, Be Prepared, and Can You Feel the Love Tonight do for the tail end of this playlist? I'm going to go with the number one here. I'm absolutely agreeing with you. I tried to send Encanto home on the last episode, and I'm glad we get to finally do it here. Just not a huge fan of the collection of songs that make up the Encanto soundtrack. Um, I, I, I will agree with what you said last week. I think after you've seen the movie, uh, songs like Family Magical might be not so good, but once you know what's going on, they're better upon rewatch, sir. I agree with that. Not enough for me to save this soundtrack. Certainly not against the Lion King, so I'm agreeing. The number one seed will advance to the final four. Staub, do you agree with us? I do. I think I think it's well established that I'm a huge Lion King lover, um, so I agree with this. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's move on to the next matchup where we have the number 13 seed Princess and the Frog versus number five Frozen. Now, I did something a little bit naughty last week and I tried to send Frozen home. (laughs) My bae, my beyond anything else. Uh, I had the musical and thematic complexity of Hunchback of Notre Dame taking down the radio-friendly, easily digestible, best-of-both-worlds, complete, well-balanced, leaves nothing on the floor, but also doesn't add anything that's not necessary. Frozen. Yeah. I think that was a complete sentence. Not really sure. It competed with me. Um, and, and we've got Fr- Princess and the Frog that took down the higher seed number four Hercules um, attributed to a, 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 similarly like it's it's super complete kind of collection of songs. Yeah. Now, Frozen, we, like I said, we did a whole bracket on that song and uh, what came out on top was was Kyle, your skip song. Uh, Do you want to build a snowman? Yeah. Um, and, and, and the reason julia and i uh, sent it so far is because of that um story element that character relationship element that goes along with that song in particular um that element exists in songs like love is an open door as well exposes anna's uh naivete Songs like um, Let It Go expose like Elsa's inner feelings in a movie that until that point she had been very, very quiet. Songs like First Time and Forever, same thing, but for Anna, you know, it's it's the it's the I Want song. And sure, that's a very basic um, component of a Disney playlist, but one that's like super necessary. And without it, it's it's really not a Disney playlist. So totally. I, I, I don't think that you can knock it there. Uh, the skip for me in the Frozen playlist is not Fixer Upper. I think Fixer Upper is quite an underrated song. Mm. Um, it, I think it's I think it's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, the 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 chanting uh, Frozen Heart song at the beginning also great song that sets the stage for the themes that are explored in the movie. Uh, the skip song is in summer. It's it's the Olaf song, and it's a song that's, I guess, fun to sing along to for some, but um, it's just kind of a pointless diversion for an otherwise uh, heartfelt movie and, and heartfelt playlist. Princess and the Frog. Now, this is Kyle, you kind of wrinkled my brain a little bit when you mentioned that you heard the Princess and the Frog soundtrack playing with playing at a local like restaurant in in new orleans yeah um 
now, like there's two ways that, that we can look at that. We can look at that as like, okay, the people running this restaurant, no tourists are coming here. So we're going to play princess and the frog because, uh, you know, it'll make them be like, Oh wow. We're finally in new Orleans. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, or like they do truly like it kind of like you said, and something that we really kind of get on princess and the frog about is that it kind of drops the ball when it comes to the black representation that it's going for in the movie. Yep. One area that it does not drop the ball is in this playlist. Um, totally. And I mentioned, I mentioned it last week um, where it brings in these different uh, regional styles of music where it's got a uh, Sunday morning gospel with uh, dig a little deeper and it's got some bluegrass um, and it's got, uh, you know, jazz throughout. I mean, those are all genres of music that, inherently are black and have their roots, um, in black culture. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if people from there heard that soundtrack and they go, this really does capture the spirit of the South and the spirit of new Orleans in particular. So I I really love that about it. Yeah. Same. And I think that's, what's so smart about down in new Orleans is that it doesn't reference any of the Disney characters in the movie. It doesn't reference, like make any sort of like, wish upon the star statements it's just a scene setting number that if you listened to it and had never seen this film you probably thought it was just a song about new orleans yeah you know i really want to advance frozen here just because i like it so much however i think i think you know Princess and the Frog was such a fun listen for me um, when I went through all of these and and it got a lot of those things that I like about so many of these song lists on here it is that it has some unexpected moments and it and it pays tribute to things and um, it is stylized at times, um, but at the same time, like stays true to the story and stays true to the characters. And it's Randy freaking Newman. Yeah. Like it's also just really good. So, um, you know, I, I hate to do it, but I'm sending the radio powerhouse frozen home here. In an alternate universe and different dimension, Randy Newman wrote and performed all of the songs on this playlist. Oh, God. And we ripped it to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> there's gotta be there's gotta be demos somewhere somewhere oh man yeah we gotta find that we gotta do a um a patreon live commentarium on randy newman's demos from princess and the frog <laughs> they, they have to exist uh, especially with that film being so much more recent than some of the others so yeah the, in a different dimension randy newman took the front and center like he did on something like toy story and we are like, not only did they turn our black characters into frogs for the entire film, but they took the black music and let Randy Newman perform all of it. That would have been absolutely amazing. But thank God it didn't because it made for such a great playlist. What I like about Princess and the Frog's music is that it is Disney without being super Disney. And that starts with Down New Orleans. But then you also get songs like friends on the other side which is very much like a disney villain song feels very be prepared-esque uh with a little taste of poor unfortunate souls uh when we're human for sure and then dig a little deeper but then there's all these other ones like almost there it's the i want song but it also feels just like any other empowerment song mabel evangeline that sounds like just a a love song that was written 
you know, in the forties, maybe, uh, going to take you there is, is sounds like a, almost like a folk song. It definitely sounds like a Disney folk song, but the fact that you have these kind of palate cleansers throughout where it's like, Oh, this, no, this is just really good song that you don't really need to have a story attached to it or feel embarrassed for putting it on. I think that there's a lot of Disney songs that suffer from that. And because they're just so Disney. Princesses and the Frog is just so well balanced. And I think that's where Frozen suffers is that it's so showy and it's so... I don't want to say story heavy because I think that's important for a Disney song and a Disney playlist. But it's so on the nose show toony that it's not as palatable all the time like something as Princess and the Frog. Uh, so in some weird roundabout way of that entire discussion, I'm agreeing with you and sending Frozen home and sending Princess and the Frog on. Elizabeth, what do you think? I love it. I love Princess and the Frog. I love New Orleans. I think to your point about down in New Orleans being like embraced by like New Orleanians, I think having Dr. John sing it was important because yes. then it, it made it more feel like a Dr. John song than like a Disney song sung by Dr. John. Um, so I think that was part of it and like what helped it kind of like get into like a little bit more mainstream down there. Also, people from New Orleans love songs about New Orleans. Like they <laughs> love singing. They love like they love talking, singing about them and like having people write songs about New Orleans and like like it's you know, they're very proud of their city. Um, and like they, you know, defend it. There's like a whole brand called Defend New Orleans. It's like a big thing down there. Um, so yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm very, and I, and the music is, I love all the music in Princess and the Frog. So, um, yeah, happy about it. There's a, uh, a middle dimension where Randy Newman doesn't perform the entire soundtrack, but he performs the finale version of Down in New Orleans. And we all just go, ah, <laughs> this was almost so close. But then he he comes in at the very last like big finale moment. The credits roll and then it like cuts to some like blooper, like some animated blooper. And then it cuts back into Randy Newman's yeah, voice. So exactly. the credits roll. Oh, man, I'm glad that they didn't do that. Were you searching? Did you see if there's any demos? I, I tried and I couldn't find okay. anything. Uh, we're going to have to do some deep dive searching for that one because I it has to exist and I, I need that in my life. All right, let's move across the bracket to the number two Mary Poppins versus the number 10 Aladdin. I already know my choice here, uh, but we haven't talked about Mary Poppins yet. So let's, let's talk about it now. Uh, Mary Poppins. A film that I think Chris and I hold fairly dear to our hearts. We talked about many of their songs on on other brackets. Uh, I can't wait for us to do some sort of like live action or even musical bracket where we can dive into the real, like really the story of Mary Poppins and all that good stuff. But there's didn't so we already do the hybrid bracket? Oh yeah, we did do a hybrid. Didn't it win the hybrid bracket? I don't know, man. I have no idea. <laughs> We're on episode 140. Do you think I remember anything that has ever been said? No. Did it? Did it? It must I'm have. I'm like 99% sure. And we were like, well, shoot, I guess. What, what do we do when we put it in a live action bracket now? I, okay. I tried to vote for Christopher Robin and y'all didn't agree with me. I don't even remember that. 
So cool. Apparently we did it. Uh, there's so much to work here, work with here on the Mary Poppins playlist because not only is it a musical in every sense, but it is a long musical. This film is just over two hours. And so you have music at every stop. Every time that we get to a new location or a new theme of a scene, it's accompanied by a song. All right, Chris, what am I skipping here? The Perfect Nanny. Get it off. Get it out of my face. Performed by kids, by Jane and Michael. It's their letter that they wrote. Uh, put an ad in the paper to find the perfect nanny. And it's, I get it. It's cute. It's whatever. But I just, I'm not into it. Especially uh, when it comes after Sister Suffragette and The Life I Leave. Like, it's just... What a what a combo. What like a what one, a, two, three punch. <laughs> and that it's so smart. It's so smart. Because even in Sister Suffragette, uh she says uh she like compliments the men and says, but they're rather stupid. And then we get Mr. Banks walking in being an absolute idiot. <laughs> an absolute idiot. And Oh, you're so right, dude. We did talk about this on a hybrid show because we talked, we broke, we went into the lyrics of the life I lead and how awful Mr. Banks was. Anyways, um, that juxtaposition is just so smart. It sets the scene for everything and how Mary Poppins, who is this very uh, empowered woman, comes in to set things straight. And we learn that that's, you know from the very get-go that that's what needs to happen and that's the cause that has been fighting for and when the cause is won you get something like Mary Poppins who comes in and just fixes everything up uh so I love that a lot Spoonful of Sugar classic uh Pavement Artist which is just like a Chim Chim Cheri uh kind of excerpt is very good Jolly Holiday is extended but really warm it's like a warm hug I like Jolly Holiday a lot Super Cali. It's no um it's no uh Orlando B. It's it's no Orlando Brown. It's none of that. Uh unfortunately. We should (laughs) we should dub it. We should have uh that version over the scene of this one. (laughs) Um Stay Awake, I think doesn't get the love that Mm. it deserves. I think that's a beautiful song. I mean, anything that you have just Julie Andrews singing in, I think is gorgeous. But this lullaby is perfect and it fits the character amazingly where it's a lullaby that's encouraging you to stay awake. And Mary Poppins is always three steps ahead. She always knows what's about to happen. And in this case, she sings it into fruition. I love to laugh, man. One that I might also have to skip. Dude, you- I... So you, I, I like I like that you mentioned the uh, the duration of the movie, and by the time you get to I love to laugh, you're like Jesus Christ! What, what like what what, what this, more this, is this, there? This, this adventure <laughs> has gone so far off track. Like, yeah. just go to the goddamn bank, please. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so feel- that's like that's not just a skip that's like a i love you edwin but please yes. erase uncle albert from this movie and then you know what disney thought was a great idea do the same thing in the sequel 
but put Meryl Streep in there. And we're like, listen, Meryl Streep, we love you, but cut the scene out entirely. I don't know why they did that, but I love to laugh is definitely that feeling. The Life I Lead, you get a little bit of British Bank in there as well. And then, of course, Feed the Birds, which is just a, a phenomenal song. Another Julie Andrews joint. Uh, Chris's anthem, Fidelity, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. Surprised you don't have your vest on. You probably didn't I, I bring let, it to I warm did, did not, Arizona. Did not bring it to 90 degree Arizona. Sorry. <laughs> and then you get Chim Chim Tree. You get Step in Time, which is great. And then A Man Has Dreams, which is uh, f- kind of forgettable, huh? You love it? Absolutely. The yeah. the, the version with uh, Bert. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that, it's that exact thing that I love about it's a playlist, a song track that extends deep into the movie. You get that moment of realization where Bert is like, bro, Listen, man, yeah, it's, it's going to get to a point where like you can't give these kids a spoonful of sugar anymore, you know? And like, you see that moment of realization go off in George's head and, and it's captured in, in song form. And like, I'm, I'm getting chills just talking about that moment. And so like, when you go through and you listen to it, it's just, you're experiencing that, um, moment of realization again and again. And it's just so sweet. And especially when it comes right after step in time, which feels very, spoonful in aura right like it's this very high energy every everything's good optimistic sounding song and then Bert's like okay that was a lot of fun but come here Georgie boy it can't always be like this Georgie and you need to, and you need to, to pay more attention to these kids they need you they love you you gotta stop messing with the bank and then George goes on a little walk <laughs> and we get to watch him for five minutes going on a walk And then he comes back and he wants to fly a kite, which feels like a very fitting ending to this film. So this playlist, man, few skips, if any, and it's very, very, very good. It's up against Aladdin, which to get out of my face, this is a Mary Poppins runaway here. Uh, Aladdin, I didn't want uh, to move on last time. I still agree that it has songs that are good, but maybe not good enough to continue on in this bracket. Mary Poppins. I mean, it's got Mary Poppins has the best of both. It's got the nostalgia bias, but also it's super good. You know, like it's it's the thing that I put on if I'm if I'm like legitimately sad, I will be like, let's just let's just throw on Poppins and just you know, let's just fly a kite. You know, so (laughs) um, I'm agreeing with you, Stab. I am sorry we're sending Aladdin home, but do you agree with this with this selection? I do. Um, Mary Poppins is just so good. Banger after banger. Um, when I was listening to it, I guess I don't really listen. I You don't listen to Step in Time. Like, it's not like a song <laughs> you think to listen to, but it's so good and it's so fun. And like we talked about Julie Andrews on the last episode, but Dick Van Dyke is also great on this soundtrack. Like, he's so much fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm all for it. In his many different accents that he does because he can't keep the same one. It's so funny. If you, uh, <laughs> after we just talked about how long this film is, uh, if you want to watch Mary Poppins without having to sit through two hours plus, just go ahead and listen to this playlist. 
that will get you through right through it in much shorter shorter time. You don't have to deal with them visiting uh, Uncle Albert and floating <laughs> and laughing. You just listen to it. I mean, even Step in Time is like eight minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> like, this song's going on forever. They're like, oh, we built a really cool set and we have some really cool effects that we want to use. Let's, get, let's milk it for as long as we can. I mean, the hot take maybe also, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay if we, in addition to Uncle Albert, we cut Step in Time. I'm just going to say. Oh. I'm just going to say that. The whole yeah. song or just cut, part of it? Cut all of it. Don't need it. Oh, I like that. We're try- we're trying to get this movie under two hours, people. Come on. <laughs> I wonder what is on the the cutting room floor for Mary Poppins. I know, right? There had to be more. Yeah. Not- was that long for a movie back then? That seems like it was very long. I, this, they were long? they were making Gone with the Wind back then. Right. Like, there's right. Ben Hur and like there's no no it was not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Jim, Jim, like Jim, it's it gets like emotional at the end, you know, like it's just it's so good. All the songs are so good. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's move on to the next round of eight matchup and see who will meet Mary Poppins in the final four. We had a pair of upsets on the yep. round of 16 episode. We've got number 14 Pinocchio versus number 11 Tarzan. We talked a lot, or I talked a lot about Pinocchio. It's got um, some very, very strong Disney songs with a lot of clout. High diddly D, I've got no strings. When you wish upon a star, mixed with the incredible composition by Lee Harline, um, mm-hmm. and all of it adds up to just a really warm, great Disney playlist. Uh, going up against Tarzan, which I did not talk a lot about on the last episode, so I would like to talk about it a little bit more. Kyle, you mentioned the Phil Collins effect. His hands are are absolutely all over this this playlist and and, and soundtrack as a and whole. His mouth, he is everywhere on this playlist. And and you know it's interesting because I'm pretty sure all of the other song lists playlists we've talked about here are like characters singing songs and this is the one where it's like the characters don't i think kala maybe gets the intro and then hands the baton off to spiritual phil but like <laughs> you know these are mostly just like you know background songs this is yours now this is yours phil <laughs> we're, we're sending to phil um <laughs> and in like and like that's unique but it it doesn't take away at the same time, you know, like normally in a, like an original soundtrack, like you throw a pop song in the background. It's like, Oh God. Right. Wow. What a cheesy selection here. It's like, Oh, this actually kind of works. Um, it's, it's very good. Uh, you said that you'll be in my heart and, uh, what was the other one you said as like the, the, the big standout numbers? Um, uh, two, uh, two worlds two worlds um i for me it's strangers like me for me i absolutely love that song um and there's not a lot of substance i think to strangers like me but i I really like the contrast of like you know brooding tarzan who has kind of like a peanut-sized brain uh processing emotion with like dopey 90s pop phil collins like it's just a very interesting combo so dopey because they add the even like the synth breakdown do 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 take my hand and you have phil hitting like if like if this podcast existed when Tarzan came out, it'd be like this is the stupidest thing ever. But like it's it's aging <laughs> it's aging quite well actually. It is. It is. Um, 
you, I, I like, I didn't say anything last week, but you said like with the exception of trashing the camp, I think trashing the camp is like a very important part of this playlist and one that I think is, is good. And it's, it's, it's completely instrumental. Like there's no, there's no lyrics to go along with it, but I think it really kind of like symbolizes why I think Phil Collins is a, an interesting and a good selection to work on this project. Phil Collins is not the best vocalist. Like he's not, he sounds really funny. Actually, he's not the best lyricist. There's not really a whole lot of like poetry or like clever wordplay in these songs, but he's a brilliant, like sound engineer. And, and this music at the time was very modern sounding. And, and you take this like strange, modern music and you pair it with like the strange jungle and there's like a parallel here um and and phil takes these odd synth sounds and, and he puts them all together and it sounds good together and uh-huh. and and in trash in the camp he does that he creates order out of the chaos and like that's what the jungle is sure that's what early man is yeah and I think it's it's a similar hunchback situation, in my opinion, where Disney was like, okay, great. This is a really good soundtrack, but Phil, we got to have some goofiness in here. It can't all be serious and these epic. Can you give us a little something else? Instead of what Mencken did, which was like, okay, you want something? Here's the most obnoxious song. Phil was like, okay, let me go ahead and and try and create something that is maybe funnier or different or feels like some like chaos like the the side character's song and he chose trash in the camp which is what he turns into later on and probably how he composed it like an acapella song which he does with NSYNC later on but i think that he that's how it started and he was like okay well let's make all of those different pieces sounds of the camp and go ahead and give Disney what they want, which is this, you know, more light, lighthearted song in the middle of everything. He just does it better than the Gargoyle song. Sure. And and I, I gotta point out that Trash in the Camp is in uh the now defunct Happily Ever After from from Magic Kingdom. Walt Disney World. There's a whole oh, really? there's a whole trash in the camp section where um the it's it's like a projection mapping fireworks show and it's like a very weird like uh like part part of the show. But it's but it's fun. It's fun oh, too. Dude, we gotta get on our um nighttime spectacular bracket and do oh, like oh. the nighttime parades and the fireworks. And so who wants it? E- email us right now. Who wants the tie break gap bracket? Because that's <laughs> yeah, going to be real. a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be very fun. We, someone's going to have to call dibs on that one. Um, <laughs> I really like. I like. I, I feel like every time I go through this Tarzan playlist, because it's one that I did not grow up with. I didn't watch Tarzan. Didn't listen to Tarzan. And every time I listen to it, I just get a little bit more into it and like I gain a little bit more appreciation for what it is and again like it's a very stylized thing which is which is something I really like and appreciate however I'm gonna have to go with Pinocchio I I just think it's one of the greatest and when we're talking about Disney um, it, it hits that sort of like 
purity, you know, that, that feeling of wonder and, and magic that, uh, is, is classic Disney. So I'm going with, going with the mist. I'm pushing P to the final four. (laughs) I'm surprised because, you know, obviously my memory is not the greatest. It's actually the worst. Uh, if it serves me right though, you completely shat on when you wish upon a star when we talked about it in previous song brackets. I probably did. I'm a huge hypocrite. Yeah. Um, so I'm surprised that it's it's continuing on with you. I'm going to go Tarzan here, uh, mostly because I think that it's a more enjoyable listen from start to finish. I really enjoy uh, uh, Strangers Like Me, that breakdown that I just kind of did for you with the, the synth and Phil comes in and hits that long note. Trash in the Camp is fine. I usually skip it, though. I think it still does have a blending problem where some of the songs feel like they bleed into each other and you get lost into what song it might be. Um, but overall, it's just the more enjoyable listen. And my f- like last strong memories of even of like college was sitting in the library, studying and working to just the Tarzan soundtrack. Because I, and it might be because it's so uh, easy to listen to and yet epic enough to keep you going. Uh, but it just kind of fits any mood. And I think that's that timelessness about it. I love Pinocchio. I think that it will, if this was a score bracket, I'd move it, I'd move it on for sure, because I think the score is phenomenal. But as you listen through it, and especially I've got no strings, uh, that Dickie Jones, man, his shrill hits your eardrums like nothing when he hits some of those notes and I've got no strings and it just, it's not as, as fun as I remember it was. So I'm going to go Tarzan, which means that Stobb is going to break this tie. Very interesting arguments from both sides. Um, Pinocchio for me wasn't as easy of a listen, kind of what Kyle was saying. Um, and Tarzan is just so like, they're just so good. Those songs you can really like, really listen to and kind of like jam out to whereas i don't think that you can with pinocchio but i know i get what you're saying chris like it's very disney like the pinocchio songs are very disney um but i think i'm gonna have to give it to tarzan on this one okay tarzan moves on and we'll see mary poppins in the final four but let's talk about this other final four matchup it is the number one Lion King versus the number 13 Princess and the Frog. Uh yeah, we've we've done a lot with this. And I think I'm going to stick I'm going to stick with Princess and the Frog here. I think that its soundtrack just is more listenable. I think that without giving away giving up its Disney qualities, especially with how the playlist starts. You have Anikanani Rose who sings this very when you wish upon a star type beginning that flows into down in new Orleans. You get a little almost there want song. You get the villain song friends on the other side. You get the group want song when we're human, which is a great insight into everybody's motives. You have Tiana. Who's like, when I'm human, I'm going to open up this restaurant. You have Naveen. Who's like, when we're human, I'm a, I'm gonna be rich and I'm gonna go off and, and live my rich life. You have Louis, who's like, I'm going to play this trumpet 
till I die, baby, with a band, because that's my dream. You have then the intro to the 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 what ends up being the kind of sidekick that you hate to see go, which is Raymond. And randomly, Jim Cummings gets not just one, but he gets two songs, <laughs> which is interesting. Impressive, but yeah. It's very impressive. And Mabel Evangeline is the most impressive of them all because you don't really expect it to hit you like it does. It's a very heartfelt song sung by a very goofy voice actor who's done just basically every Disney character ever. Jim Cummings is, he's Tigger, he's Winnie the Pooh, he's Darkwing Duck, he's if he fills in for any sort of character whose voice actor might have died, like he's just this man of all trades. And yet here he is singing this love song of from a firefly to a, a star and it fits and you can remove it from that context, but it's, it's beautiful. It's a Bella Note type song. Dig a little deeper. You get the big, the big number from mama Odie, which in the movie is like, eh, but in out of the movie, it's great. Then you get the the bow on top down in New Orleans. I really like it. I think I'm going to just go with it. There's so much more to work with here. Uh, it's, there's not a sudden stop. You get the story. You get through it. You get it tied up in a bow. Uh, with the number one seed, you stop with Kenny for the Love Tonight, which I won't deny the impact that something like Circle of Life has. And it also does end the movie, so it does tie it up. There's just not a ton to work with. Plus, one of them sung by kids. Hate it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, uh, we've mentioned that there's really no slow spots. Okay, you can skip Can't Wait to Be King, sure. but like, you got to admit, like, they're all really good songs. Yeah, yeah, I can um, admit. I would argue that Hakuna Matata is the weakest song on the Lion oh. King playlist, which might be a hot take as well. Um, no, I don't think I, so. There's not a ton really? of, like, singing in it, right? Like... They really just sing the chorus over and over again. Yeah. And then there's yeah. talking in between it. Yeah. Yeah, I can um, see it. I had this cassette tape when I was a little kid. I think I said this on the podcast before. You used to go to sleep to be prepared. I used to go, <laughs> used to, go to sleep to be prepared, get terrified of the weird shadows that were on my wall. Because um, that's just like it is in the movie when they're doing the little hyena step during that song. Um, so a couple of things, though, that I haven't pointed out yet about um, The Lion King. One of them is just is just my love and appreciation for Nathan Lane as a performer and like musical comedy is so hard and so rare and like particularly like now during like modern times, um, you know, the last five years or so, I know this movie came out a long time ago, but like everyone sounds like a pop star. Now, every Mm. single person on stage sounds like, they are a pop star and you know, they'll, they'll even do reworkings of like classic, uh, you know, revival shows and you know, they'll throw someone in who sounds like, uh, you know, a, a pop star and, and, um, you know, with the exception of Alex Brightman, there's really no place for musical comedy on the stage. And Nathan Lane has the ability to do it in a way that is funny, but also good and uh and i just love that he's able to anchor songs like hakuna matata and is featured in songs like can you feel the love tonight and it feels funny without feeling annoying i guess we'll throw book of mormon and josh gad into the into the musical comedy basket as well yeah Um, yeah yeah but, but again like it's it's rare and it's difficult 
another thing uh, that the Lion King has, much like Hunchback, as uh, that I was talking about before, is the instrument selection is really easy to overlook. I mean, it gives it the feel. It's got a lot of like uh, flutes and pipes that are like natural sounding, like they're they're maybe made of wood. Um, there's also like wooden percussion, xylophones, and things like that. And it ta- it's it's tapping into these like instruments from early civilization that give you that sense of like being in the wild that uh are super fun you know like uh, you look at uh, movies like uh you know little mermaid lion king these other menken movies that like they, they they just don't seem to be as creative maybe thematically they make sense in that way but like the instrument selection is really creative with lion king and and i think that's what makes it sound fun the thing for me about princess and the frog is that the the, the playlist really stands out like it really shines over the movie itself mm. and so when i'm thinking about good Disney playlist that one always comes to top of mind because when I think about that movie I think about the song song specifically whereas when I think about the Lion King I might think about everything else that goes into it like the the themes and like the the death of you know Mufasa and all this other stuff um I think I think uh, you know Princess and the Frog is is one of those ones that I want to put on and play from beginning to end uh, so I think I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to send the Lion King home and we're going to have Princess and the Frog go on to the finals and, and I think it could get very interesting there. Uh, Stop. do you agree with, with us sending the Lion King home? This one was tough for me because I love both of those movies so much and both of those soundtracks so, so much. Um, so it's kind of one of those things where you're happy either way <laughs> who wins, but also sad for the loser. So um I do think Lion King is probably one. It's my favorite Disney movie, I think. And that soundtrack is it's part of it. Um, But I also love all the songs in Princess and the Frog. So happy for for what's what's interesting about uh, the Lion King playlist is that the lion sleeps tonight song is left off of it. And I don't know if either of you have watched the documentary called The Lion's Share. It's on Netflix if anyone wants to watch it. Um, it's part of the, like their remastered series, but basically Disney stole that song and didn't pay the originators because the originators didn't get paid by the people who made it famous, who were the, I don't remember their names. It was like that. They have a very, it's a very famous name. Uh, anyways, but they made that song famous, but that Umwe beat was originally from this African group who recorded it in the early like 30s and Disney used it and didn't pay the family and this documentary is about how this song was stolen from them from the family and it's just so good and so I'm not surprised I'm actually kind of thankful that that version isn't on this playlist so that Disney isn't reaping the rewards of that family but the documentary is so good I highly recommend it it's Lion's Share on Netflix go watch it I feel like I've heard that before. That's not surprising. No. How, how they like made Lion King and stuff. That doesn't seem surprising to me. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the Lion King had been copying another lion movie that was made <laughs> elsewhere and is just a Shakespearean yeah. play. And yeah, sure. Uh, all right. So who will Princess and the Frog meet in the finals? So we've got the number two Mary Poppins going up against number 11 Tarzan. Um, a couple of things I, I want to say about Mary Poppins that I haven't had the opportunity to say yet. Please. Uh, 
I, we've we've got kind of given our love to the Sherman brothers uh, multiple times here uh, on this podcast, but like this is their masterpiece, you know, and like the 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 songwriting is just flawless. Like there's not a wasted syllable on this Mary Poppins playlist. It, they, hmm. you know, they don't throw in a random like, yeah, or now to like make the, the pattern make sense. Like it's all just so seamless and so clean. It's just crazy. And you, you mentioned how you love a Jolly Holiday. I love Jolly Holiday as well. And, and you listen to some of these uh, verses, like particularly the Mary verses in, jolly holiday and it's like how the heck yes do they come up with that like it it, it's just where did they pull that word from you know your your sweet gentility is crystal clear oof god so good sister suffragette i don't i i don't i want to say i don't get it Mm -hmm. is it like um is it supposed to be like a joke about like the suffragette movement or is it supposed to be like, I like, I don't know if I, I, I'm a guy, I'm literally asking like, what is it? Yeah. I think it was written as a serious topic in a written as like a, a poorly performed March to give us the sense of how seriously it wasn't taken you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's almost like a, uh, yeah, it just wasn't taken seriously. So the song is not as in depth or not as impressive as maybe some of the other ones, but the content is very important. And she dives into a lot of the stuff about how, you know, we're finally fighting for women's rights and our daughters will, our daughters and our daughter's daughters will adore us because of what we've done. And then immediately Mr. Banks walks in and they're like, yeah (laughs) like this men are kind of stupid um so i think it's supposed to be like as if we were in that time how seriously we would have taken it and then in reality mary poppins comes in is like yes like the suffragette movement is not only legitimate but it's important and should have happened that's what i get from it okay yeah i mean it's i think it's contrasted with like you said the um the Mr. Banks song that comes after it. Uh, Life I Lead. Uh, yes. It's like a, it's like a toxic masculinity that I, I, again, like, I don't know. Is it a, like, Oh, remember how things used to be it was so good back then? Or is it like, Oh, look at this boob. He's such a boob. Cause he thinks this way. I, I like, I don't know. I think it's that one. Cause um, he's like, it's such, okay. so great to be an Englishman in 1910. Like he dates and, it now. And it's and like, so you're, you're so you're supposed to be like, Oh, ha ha ha. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Got it. Um, dude, Julie Andrews is so hot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just say it like it is like, yeah. she is very attractive. Yes. And like, if like, an alien landed on this planet, and was like, I want to learn about your culture. Chris, show me someone who is attractive. Show me a beautiful person. I would I would queue up the Jolly Holiday and Mary Poppins and like, <laughs> this is it. This is as good as it gets right here. This is number one. Specifically this scene. Specifically <laughs> this. Um, she's just an all-timer. It's crazy. It's crazy. Her yep. beauty is timeless. 
Um, I already uh, stated my case for Fidelity Fiduciary Bank <laughs> on the villain song bracket. I mean, I don't know how we've made it this far here on this bracket without talking about it. Um, I find it to be incredibly good. It's another one of those um, songs where the Sherman brothers put it together and you're just like, how? did they have like a thesaurus out or like a dictionary out? Like they hit every possible word they possibly could in this song and like they just squeeze so much value out of it. It's absolutely incredible. The range of songs that you get um, in this song list. Oh, you get fun songs like Super Cal, Fragilistic, and then you get super, super sad songs like Feed the Birds. And like while I was listening to Feed the Birds this time around, I was like, saddest Disney song bracket? Anyone? Oh. Anyone? Oh. Mm, that, that, I think when she loved me would take that <laughs> <laughs> exactly like so. it's gonna it's gonna it could be a fun one so um i think if if there's one thing that mary poppins i would say fails at especially up against tarzan is just its length and that and that i think there's a lot of fat that you can trim off and not that the fat pieces are like nah these are skips like these aren't very good it's just like i, I it, it takes so long that like you know by the end of it you're like all right i i'm kind of over it to be honest i think i'm going with the favorite here i think i'm going with mary poppins i'm sending the sherman bros to the finals yep i think the sherman brothers really solidified what it is to write Disney music where a lot of the songs are fun and lighthearted, but they can also get serious. But no matter what they are, they help inform the story somewhat. And you can watch the Howard Ashman documentary. And I've cited that multiple times, but he drew his inspiration from Broadway, obviously. And he said, you know, songs shouldn't just be showstoppers. They should be show movers. They should continue the plot on. They're just not there. They're not there just to exist. And I think that the Sherman brothers do a really good job of that. I think that in their repertoire, they don't always do that. They do have some songs that just exist. And there, there are a couple on here, but this film deserves that because this film is chaotic and in a different world and it's you know, they're making up words and it's all about this innocence of childhood and giving in to your inner child and not growing up so fast and allowing yourself to not take yourself so seriously that it's more of character building continually throughout the entire film as opposed to plot movement. But some of it is plot movement, uh, like the stay awake and the feed the birds and, you know, really sets the mood in the scene. So I think that they just do it so well. Tarzan deserved to make it into the final four, in my opinion. I think that's exactly where Phil Collins' soundtrack and song list should go and stop. Uh, but when you run into a force like Mary Poppins, it's hard to overcome. So Mary Poppins is going to go to the finals, and we have our final matchup here. Stop. What do you think about uh, Julie Andrews and crew making it to the finals? I love it. I think you guys kind of hit it. Like, they're the whole body of work of Mary Poppins is just stronger than Tarzan. I mean, Tarzan is great, but there's only like what five or six so like five songs that are there and that are really good. Whereas Mary Poppins is just hit after hit after hit. So yeah. All right. We have our final. It's the number 13 princess and the frog versus number two, Mary Poppins. Chris, I have, here's a question for you. 
Oh, no. Do we feel like this list of what feels like 30 songs on Mary Poppins, some of it is, is fluff, or do we feel like it's necessary for the film and character development and plot movement? Like, besides I Love to Laugh, we've kind of already decided that that was a, a song that didn't need to happen. But there's a lot here. I mean, it's a true musical is the thing. So mm-hmm. so it's hard to say because, you know, was, like you yeah. said, like you said, you know, they're not showstoppers. They, they like they do advance the plot forward. So so no, they're not fluff. But I don't know that it's fair to ask that because they're so important <laughs> to the structural integrity of the movie at the same time. Like even, you know, what I would call a skip in step in time. It's like, like you said, it, it leads directly into the Mr. Banks scene. And like, that's what gets Bert to the yeah. house, you know, like it, it, yeah. it feels fluffy, but it's technically not fluff. So it's hard to say. I mean, Am am I going to sit down and listen to every song on Mary Poppins? Probably not. Am I going to listen to a lot of them? Probably. Like Sister Suffragette's probably a skip. You know, like yeah. would I sit down and like, you know, th- throw a two final collection up on there? Like, yeah, I would. Am I going to? Probably not. Sure. So so it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, that's completely fair. I feel like also the medium in which you listen to sometimes plays a part. When I listen to this on like vinyl, say, it's such a nice listen all the way through, no skip on vinyl. Even I love to laugh. But if you're listening on your phone, you're like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get to the meat. But what's really awesome about Mary Poppins' playlist is this like middle section where you have Spoonful and maybe the Perfect Nanny, for those that like Perfect Nanny, I don't. But for me, it starts with Spoonful, Pavement Artist, Jolly Holiday, Super Cali, Stay Awake. That five-song stretch feels like an embodiment of this film so much. like it, It just encompasses everything that this film is. And then after and before that, you get a lot that adds to it, specifically after it. After it is where it starts to really further take shape. But that five five song lineup there is hard to miss. I like your appreciation for A Man Has Dreams because it's a song that I always forget about and I'm always surprised by because you get step in time and then for whatever reason, my mind always goes to just let's go fly a kite rat afterwards. But you do need that level set. You do need that step into let's go fly a kite where Mr. Banks is like, he literally has to go on a walk to like think about his life, you know, <laughs> and we have to go on that journey with him in song form, uh, which I think is great. And it's long. The song's four and a half minutes, which in like sitting at a theater time is pretty long and listening is even longer, which really makes us realize that he is thinking about it. He's taking a hard, long think about himself and his place in his family and what he has done, what he needs to approve on. And he lets that inner child in. And they go fly a kite, just as they do in the second one. And you know what was in that kite, Chris? Oh, my God, the deed to the family house. And they get to go. They, Please stop talking. They say it. Stop and, and everything turns out okay. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm surprised Mary Poppins 2 didn't show up on this uh, song bracket, to be honest. A triple threat Daddy Lynn bracket, but uh, that's for another day. Princess and the Frog have talked about it over and over again. I mean, like, here's the thing. You're talking to uh, the Disney history nerd. You're talking to the guy that loves Mary Poppins, loves the story of the Sherman Brothers, loves everything about that late 60s era of Disney where they really, it felt like they started hitting their post fairy tale stride and they started making other things that turned out to be impressive. And like Walt dies two, three years after Mary Poppins, right? And so it's transitioning out of this, like, we're just going to tell fairy tales and do animation into this, you know, other realm of live action, even mixing the live action and, and animation was big. But this this music, the Sherman Brothers, like it's hard to miss. But then you also feel like sometimes that Randy Newman embodies that new wave of Disney music where he's also telling the story in very what isn't whimsy in words is whimsy in sounds, mostly with like Toy Story, but also how he's able to adopt that same sort of vibe for something like Princess and the Frog. And he steps aside and allows other people to sing and he allows for these songs to tell the story. Both of these do a really good job in both ways. Man. So I'm going to crown the best Disney movie playlist as princess and the frog. And I'm going to do that because I think that for what it is and how you listen to it, you get just the right amount of Disney you get a, just the right amount of musical. You get just the right amount of story movement, but you don't feel like you're locked down forever. And I think that if you're an even just an average Disney fan, you might not be sitting through the entire playlist of Mary Poppins. I don't think that I'm necessarily the average Disney fan. Obviously, I have a goddamn podcast about it, and which is why I love the Mary Poppins one. But I think that if I were to take what I love about the Mary Poppins playlist and put it into something that is succinct, it would be Princess and the Frog. So I'm going to do the number 13 and crown Princess and the Frog as the winner. So while you were talking about Georgie taking a walk to to clear his head, Uh I suddenly, I suddenly got like a, like a, I don't know what the opposite of a flashback is, but I had like a vision (laughs) of the future. Okay. Where Disney greenlit a Disney plus uh series a limited series so like there's only like one season of of like a george banks prequel where it's like him as a little boy and it's like why why was he so obsessed with money and and ripping the kite oh yeah that's interesting i thought you were gonna say we're getting a disney plus a limited series that was all that what happened on his walk It was gonna maybe, be five I mean, episodes. Maybe that too. Five episodes of what he did on that walk. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a lot to that character, and um, you know, I really don't care about prequels, but maybe that could be a fun one. Who knows? Yeah, Kyle. Here's the thing about Mary Poppins that is different than Princess and the Frog when it comes to the song list. Okay. You look at these songs that make up the Mary Poppins playlist and there's always another great song coming. 
Mm. as you work your way through it. Like there's, it's absolutely relentless. And like, yes, there's some filler songs, but it's like you never hit like a pocket of good songs and then like it falls off. And like not saying Princess and the Frog does that, but it's like, it's just like beginning to end nonstop. This is this is good. Like there's more good stuff coming and, and I'm going to stay invested in this, in this playlist. Yeah. And, yeah. and like, I think, and like, yes, I think princess and the frog is relatively flawless when it comes to the music, but what songs from princess and the frog have made their way to the next level of like Disney culture. Right. Yeah. Almost there, like maybe, maybe the only one that's like gotten kind of close to becoming like a like a trademark Disney song. Sure. Whereas with Mary Poppins, you've got you've all got that. You know, like there's <laughs> there's not just like a few. It's like almost all of them. And yeah, so yeah. I hate to use that like oh uh, you know it's got the it's iconic. Um, we haven't said that on this bracket yet, but you know it is it is. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm gonna use the iconic argument to crown Mary Poppins. Okay. The best Disney playlist, which means stop. I feel like you haven't been breaking a whole lot of ties. We've all kind of been on the same page up to this point, but it's all on you. I hate picking the the final winner. I feel like that's like not fair, but um, <laughs> to do that to your guests, just a piece of advice, 100, almost 150 episodes in. Um, but as much as I love Princess and the Frog and I really excited that it made it this far. Um, I do think that like Mary Poppins, the level of iconic songs in Mary Poppins playlist is just exceeds, exceeds it um, by a little bit here. Um, it's just a different, it's just a different sound, right? Like, like they're just very different sounds. So it just depends on what you're looking for. Like, um, you throw on uh, Princess and the Frog if you need like a little upbeat popping around your house, something like that. Um, but Mary Poppins, if you want to sing and dance around and, you know, it's it's just a different vibe. But I think I'm going to have to go with Julie Andrews here and uh, put Mary Poppins on top. Chris, I'm glad that you brought up how Mary Poppins, even though it's long, there's nothing that makes you want to turn it off. Like you, it just keeps going, which I hadn't thought about. So if I were able to revoke my vote, I probably would have gone to Mary Poppins because I love <laughs> how you described that. Um, but I think, I mean, I'm happy that these two made it to the finals oh, yeah. because I yeah, love, definitely. I love them both, and probably would be my one and two. And so Mary Poppins. The number two seed takes the crown as the best Disney movie playlist. And as we do at the end of every single bracket, we are going to clap it out. Love it, man. Love talking about songs. I love misremembering. I love being on this podcast. Uh, This was a fun one. I would not have said that Mary Poppins was going to win at all when we looked at the songs, looked at the bracket, anything. I knew that Mary Poppins would be a front runner, uh, but I thought that there would be a little bit more contention with some of the other picks. Uh, because like I said at the top of this show, like Chris said before, there's a lot of great Disney playlists, a lot of great Disney songs that this could have been shuffled up any sort of way with other s- albums, other soundtracks in. 
uh, it would have been tough. But yeah, Mary Poppins, classic test of time. It got a good draw too. Um, and and looking at it, I was like, it's. I'm going to go into this trying to find a way where Mary Poppins doesn't come out on top, but it was it was inevitable for me. So Yeah, it had a easy division over there on the right-hand side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of the playlists just have like a couple songs that are very, very good, you know? So when you're looking at it, you're like, oh, I remember that song from this movie. But then when you listen to all the others, you're like, eh. Like, if the whole thing doesn't hold up. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, maybe we do this in another couple of years and uh, everyone will real- realize that Four Town from Turning Red deserves to be on this bracket. Uh, we'll revisit that in a couple of years. But Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us on this bracket. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. This was so fun. Excited for what my next appearance uh, will be. <laughs> All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Do you have a bracket idea or would you like to hop on and do some co-hosting and tie-breaking duties of your own? Please don't be shy. We, we're, we're super fun, normal people. I know it doesn't sound like it, but we have a really great time. Really you know what? It's great. Uh, we would love to have you. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Until next time, folks, you'll be in our hearts.